Welcome to the DMSG Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Hadley, founder and CEO of the Denver Medical Study Group. Based in Colorado, we're going into our 16th year with over 1,350 members in 29 states. Our educational events include DMSG webinars, healthcare podcasts, and in-person meetings. Today, I'm excited to visit with Christine Lumlung, MD, MBA, Chief Executive Officer of Origin Healthcare. Christine, would you tell our listeners a little about yourself and your background? Um, yes, and thank you again, Chris, for the opportunity. Really excited to talk with you today. Um, so I grew up in Colorado, um, wanted to be a doctor since I was very, very little, and went into internal medicine when I was um, exploring residency. At that time, hospitalist medicine was just getting started and was pretty excited about this new burgeoning field of working in just the hospital setting, seeing some of the sickest patients. So um, after I finished my chief residency year, I went to Arizona, uh, started uh, hospital medicine. Um, a small group of us broke off and started a hospitalist group. And a couple of years into that, I started getting this voice in the back of my head that said, gosh, there are things about this group that I would do different if I had my own opportunity to start a program. Uh, Poudre Valley Hospital at that time was looking to start a hospital medicine program. So in 2004, I moved up to the Fort Collins area and helped start Northern Colorado Hospitalist, um, which was an independent hospitalist company that worked out of, at the time, Poudre Valley and now the UC Health North. I ran that as the CEO for about 16 years. And then in 2021, I left um, the hospitalist program to start Origin Healthcare. And we'll talk a little bit about the journey of what, what brought us to that, but I've been um, the co-founder and CEO of that since 2021. Well, we follow practicing. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, we followed Poudre Valley uh, Hospital uh, over the past several years. Uh, and have interviewed uh, their previous CEO, Ruland Stacy. Uh, he was quite a guy, and y'all have done a wonderful job there while uh, y'all were uh, there. Ruland's a great leader. What motivated you and your co-founder to start Origin Healthcare? Mm -hmm. um, so practicing hospital medicine, running a hospitalist group. Um, at the time we start, I started the hospitalist program, hospital medicine was still very new. There were only about 400 hospitals in the nation at that time. And so starting a program that I really believed in that helped focus on having a specialty where people in the hospital were seen by people that were just working in the hospital setting, allowing our outpatient docs to focus on their clinic. Love what that was doing, saw the importance and the evolution of that. And yet there were still so many times that I was having difficult conversations with patients and families where I felt that all I had left to tell them was, I know our healthcare system stinks, doesn't it? And so decided at that time that I had the business background from running the practice, I had the clinical background from being a practicing hospitalist. And I just challenged myself to say, why don't you go out and try to figure out what to do different to change that narrative so that um, we don't have to keep telling patients and families that's the option. Incredibly fortunate to have a co-founder, Jory Anderson. Um, she worked in the cardiothoracic ICU at UCLA. We met on a medical mission in Uganda and several more missions together and just have a very similar mindset on really where we think healthcare should be, not only for our patients and families, but also the clinical workforce. So we um, joined forces and launched Origin at that time to really say, how can we help a subset of patients 
really get the care that they need when and where they need it the most. Because while we spent our career in the hospital, and there are still so many great things and why we will always, of course, need hospitals, we also unfortunately saw the negative impact that it could have from being, if someone could be in the hospital. So a recent study came out where one in four patients, unfortunately, experience an adverse event that's a direct result of being in the hospital. Um, we know that anxiety and depression scores are worse when people are in an unfamiliar setting, away from their family, away from their pets. I also was continuing to go to conferences where inevitably the speaker would talk about our healthcare spending going off logarithmically and say, we can't continue to spend 20% of our GDP yet at the same time see our quality outcomes on the opposite end. And we can't continue to keep doing this. Yet year after year, I'd go to a conference and that same narrative was there. So we really wanted to find a way to change that and came across a model of care that most people will probably be um, most familiar with called hospital care at home. And this was something that had been rigorously studied here in the US and been in use for decades overseas. So we had really robust data that showed we can get better patient safety, better quality outcomes, better patient experience, and a lower cost of care. And for me, this was just what I tell people, the four leaf clover of healthcare. We actually have something there that we know is proven that can actually change the trajectory for the individual patient experience and really for the viability of healthcare moving forward. And so we felt very strongly that we wanted to dedicate the next portion of our career to really bringing this to the forefront. You know, what What is advanced care at home and, and why is this so needed? Um, so this is care that is different than care that's currently being provided in the home. So your listeners are very healthcare savvy, for, but for others that might be listening, this isn't home health care, which tends to deal with more stable chronic illnesses, um, episodic care. It's not hospice, which tends to focus on keeping patients at the home at the end of life. This is actually a new creation of health care. So instead of patients being considered outpatient or inpatient, it's actually creating this hybrid model of care. So we're taking patients that are sick enough that they would have actually been in a brick and mortar hospital facility, but we now have the technology and the staff that we can actually take that subset of patients and care for them at home and flip the model. So now the team, the equipment and the technology comes to the patients. And so we're taking about, it's estimated about 30% of the patients that would typically be on the medical unit of a hospital. Diagnosis most commonly are heart failure, emphysema, infections needing antibiotics. And we're actually caring for them at home. And again, seeing much better outcomes, better safety, and then significantly co lowering cost of care by thousands of dollars. And the reason this needed, I think, obviously, at an individual patient level, if any of you have experienced being in the hospital or had a loved one in the hospital, you know that can be a really traumatic and difficult time, even when things go well. Um, so we want to be able to find a way to actually get patients a more convenient, comfortable episode of care. This also goes back to the impact in the healthcare spending where, you know, when I look at that 30% of patients in the hospital that we could ship to home, the U.S. could save an estimated $16 billion and think about what we could do. And then finally, I think, you know, this is obviously much more timely because of what happened with COVID. And we saw the stress that the pandemic placed on the healthcare system and how the system itself really wasn't set up to have flexibility. And clearly the pandemic is not the stress issue that it was before, although I think we'll talk about some of the consequences that came from that. But I think it showed us in healthcare, we need to have a more flexible way 
to deal with everything moving forward, whether it be a pandemic or the fact that we have an aging population that's living longer and our current brick and mortar facilities aren't going to be able to provide them the care that they need. And honestly, most of those patients don't want to be in the hospital anymore. They've started to receive healthcare at home, do telehealth visits, and they're really shifting and asking for that care to be given at home. You know, as I listen to you talk about that, it reminds me of a question I'd like to ask you. Do you have any geographic restrictions to being able to providing, provide this advanced care at home? Um, so we're a startup. So we started in 2021. So we've been working here in the Larimer and Weld County. So the northern part of Colorado, our team is mobile. We get asked that quite a bit. How can it be more cost efficient to bring a medical team? I think, unfortunately, it goes to the fact that there is so much financial waste in our current healthcare system that it actually is more economical for a team to go to the home. Um, we've covered a very large footprint. We've been in over 37 different zip codes. We're expanding our partnerships and have an opportunity. We'll be scaling out of state here in 2024 with some of the partners that we've been aligning with. And so we will be growing, but our current footprint and the over 1,000 patients we've seen have been in the northern Colorado area. So you're covering uh, rural Colorado in the northern part of the state? So we've, we have gone out to very rural communities with this, and we're really looking, to, I think it's a lot of healthcare innovation for you know what seem like obvious reasons will focus on um, urban areas when they're developing innovations because of the population density. Yet, mm -hmm. when we have 20% of our um, nation that lives in rural communities, there's a neglect in how we actually can get care out to the rural communities. The care will look very different than when it's in an urban area. There are different service lines, there's different support systems out there, but I think it's important that we do figure out how we can actually incorporate the rural healthcare communities in innovation. And so we've been providing some care out there and we're looking into looking to deepen our relationship with those rural health communities and figuring out how we can best support them. We wanna make sure that those rural hospitals that are there continue to thrive and provide care. We're definitely not looking to go out and shut down a rural hospital and say, they don't need them, they just need us. We're, we're there to partner with the existing um, infrastructure. You know, uh, as I listen to you, what results have you seen so far and what milestones have you achieved? It's been such a fantastic journey. I mean, when we launched and we were iterating on Origin before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit. And especially as a clinically founded team, we pushed our team quickly. We said, we have to get up operational. The hospitals are full. Patients aren't getting care. And so we were operationally ready to treat patients, very high acuity patients within several months. Um, we've seen over a thousand patients so far. We're doing this hospital substitution or early discharge model, that advanced care at home, where we're uh, bringing the medical team in and caring for patients in that hybrid model of in-person and virtual covering 24-7 care. We also do care such as transitions of care visits where people are coming out of hospital facility. It's a really high-risk period of time and a lot of information sometimes gets lost in the translation. And so we can go in and make sure that they're set up for success to continue on that path to wellness so they don't end up back in the ED or readmitted. We've been doing urgent care visits and then doing a lot of home infusions as well. So we've had outstanding quality results. We've had no safety events, no mortalities. We have a net promoter score of 97, um, which is really very proud of our team to achieve that. A lot of healthcare groups, unfortunately, are in the 30s to 40s. I think the fact that the word of mouth is starting to spread organically about this, people 
are so happy that someone's coming to meet them at home. And for us, I think the other issue that we really look at, it's a little bit hard to directly measure, but is the improvement in health equity and access. When we're looking at healthcare innovation, people are trying to figure out what care is currently being provided that we can change. Yet there's a whole subset of patients who are struggling getting care altogether. And we have to remember to include those that aren't getting care in innovation as well. And so we've gone out and taken care of patients who have said, you know, I'm sick, but I have a loved one at home that I can't leave unattended and I have to be there. We've had people who have had physical disabilities that the stress of getting into a healthcare facility is super difficult on them. So they may delay getting care. We've had people that have had, unfortunately, negative healthcare experiences that they might have experienced in the hospital and so also wait or delay care. And so we're really trying to open up that access. And then for me, it's been eye-opening as a clinician who has worked her whole life in a hospital, what we're missing by not being in the home with patients. It is a completely different world when we're seeing the environment that patients are living in, um, the support systems they have or may not have. And so being in the home and being able to spend quality time with them and with their caregivers has really opened up our eyes to how much more we can be doing to improve not only that acute episode of care, but really looking at the longitudinal um, healthcare landscape for these patients and families and how we can better support them. Um, so it's been a great uh, three years so far, still a lot of growth and learning to go, but we feel really happy with the work we've done so far. You know, my mind goes in all different directions as I listen to you. <laughs> it's <too>. really exciting. <laughs> you know? How does advanced care at home change the experience for the family and caregiver? And how does it change the experience for the clinical team? Uh, it's such a great question. And what I've been happy about these last couple of years is the increased focus that people have on caregivers. And having recently gone through um, an experience with um, a, my mom and um, some healthcare issues, um, caregivers out there are doing such an amazing job of navigating a very complex, opaque system, but they need more help and they need support. There are some that look at this hospital at home model and say, we shouldn't be putting more burden on caregivers to be providing the medical care. I always ask them and challenge them first to say, "We're, you know, do you feel like the caregivers aren't burdened already? And our experience has been that when we come in the home, and again, Chris, we're spending you know, a minimum of two hours of uninterrupted one-on-one -on -one time with that patient and family, we actually take the caregiver to the side and we do a separate caregiver burnout survey. We have a separate set of resources for the caregiver because I think so much of how that patient is doing is really predicated upon the support. We don't ask the caregiver to do any medical support, run IV fluids, do anything else other than as we tell people what you would do if a loved one had maybe the flu at home is you know bringing some ginger ale and toast. But we're there 24-7. And so I think we're really elevating the caregiver experience by being in there and helping provide support that they were otherwise lacking. The clinical team is also, so we're a clinically founded team. And one of the tasks Joy and I set for ourselves as we're creating this model that we know, and again, has been proven to support patients and families, we wanna make sure we're supporting the clinical team as well. And creating an environment that honors why people went into healthcare, it's actually the origin of our name, Origin Healthcare, is we wanted to go back to why did we as clinicians go into healthcare in the first place? We wanted to put the patients at the center and really be able to honor what it is that they needed. So there's been, of course, a lot of focus these last couple of years, even more so than before, about workforce um, shortages and burnout. Our belief, and from talking to people, is that most clinicians leaving healthcare, they don't want to stop caring for patients. 
It's just the system right now is not supporting them in a way that they feel like they can do this. So what we've seen in some other groups, um, UNC, University of North Carolina, I think has actually published on this, is we're actually creating an environment to keep people in the workforce. We've actually had more inbound clinical interest to work with us than we actually have open positions. And feedback we get from the staff is, you know, that one-on-one uninterrupted time where I can develop a relationship with a patient. I can see their fishing trophies on the mantle, their grandkids' drawings on the refrigerator. I don't feel like I'm, you know, not giving them the time and attention they need. You know, when we look at nurse staffing studies or nurse um, time studies, you know, our nurses, we've been asking them to do so many things in the hospital now that there's a study that shows on a 12-hour shift, some nurses only spend 34 minutes in front of the patient giving direct care and so we are actually creating an environment that honors why they went back to healthcare in the first place. Um, the anecdote that I love to share is we have a nurse who does some shifts in the hospital still and some shifts with us. She actually has some teenage children who say to her, we can tell the days that you work with origin versus the days you work in the hospital because you come home happy. And I think that's one of the best things that we can hear from our clinical staff. You know, um, what impact do you see wearables playing in this role? Yeah, interesting, right? And so I think wearables are an important part of this. And this is some of the reasons that we can think about how can we shift care out and still get um, the safety that we need. And so wearables, remote monitoring, essentially, we do need to have a way where we don't have a clinician to be able to look at other things like their activity and their sleep. So we use remote monitoring that monitors all that. Our um, company that we partner with actually can get every 15-minute heart rate and oxygen saturation. Now, the interesting part about that, Chris, is that's actually significantly more frequent than you would get in the hospital. You know, where will the pendulum finally sit? Where is the appropriate degree of technology to support the patient, make sure that they have connection to the team, we can respond to emergencies and actually look ahead and prevent them ideally. Um, And where do we make sure that we're not just adding additional cost or inconvenience for the patient? And so really figuring out in the end where that sweet spot if you look back at some of the studies that were done at Mass General, you know, back in the 90s that showed these great outcomes we talked about, you know, that was really before the wide implementation of telehealth and before RPM. So we actually know that this model can be done and still deliver great results without over-indexing on technology. So I think it's going to be a good supplement and a good tool, but nothing in the end substitutes with for the ability to actually have the in-person teams that hybrid model of some technology, some in-person, we really feel like that's the future of healthcare. So how important is it to have clinicians involved in healthcare innovation? Fully will acknowledge my bias here as a clinician, but it always is curious to me um, when people come into healthcare to innovate, um, how long they wait or don't even have a clinician involved. Um, It would be like me going into another, to the restaurant industry and thinking that I could innovate there without having any significant experience. So I think the clinical voice is so important, the learned experience of the clinician being there. We have seen all too often what happens when an innovation is created and then pushed on the clinical team. The adoption just doesn't work. The time to learning doesn't work. And so I think having clinicians involved very early on is a key part of not just having teams that look on the outside and see that there's an opportunity where they can come in and create a company. We're actually looking to change healthcare here um, and not just create a unicorn that's going to be able to exit at some point. We are meaningfully looking for how to deliver a better patient experience and to make healthcare a better stable industry. 
what are some of the key elements that you need to continue your work uh, in transforming healthcare delivery? Yeah, right. Just one or two things, Chris, only one or two. So, <laughs> you know, there's been obviously a ton of focus on healthcare innovation through the pandemic here, and we've seen some booms and busts from that. Um, so I think, you know, healthcare is undergoing a very interesting time at this. I think we need those incumbents, uh, those institutional powerhouses that are in healthcare to really think about what their pathway is to innovation. We've had discussions with entities that say, you know, we don't have time to innovate or in our current model, it doesn't financially benefit us to innovate. Yet healthcare is always evolving at this point. And I think we need to think ahead. Yeah. I would love payment reform to be more flexible. It's been very interesting how much payment really drives how innovation can be delivered, even to the point of, as we've been looking at creating these novel pathways for payment, the question on where on the database Excel spreadsheet from our partners, where will this be coded and how much that can actually slow innovation down? I think, you know, previously hospitals had been really the ones that would drive and innovate healthcare. We've seen with the, the um, introduction of retail health, like Amazon and CVS and Walmart, that, you know, standing still and hospitals not driving innovation themselves, that they're going to unfortunately be feeling the consequences of not moving forward. I think my ideal situation would be looking at those groups that are here, the hospitals, the provider groups, the payers, and saying, how can you as a incumbent partner with innovative companies and figure out how together you're gonna to move healthcare forward because I don't think any one group is going to be able to do it themselves. I think those partnerships moving forward, having a driven innovative team to partner with. And so I think the open-mindedness and then you know, not looking at things from a, a lens of loss. So a hospital thinking, hey, if I don't have a patient, I have bed, I must be losing revenue. For a hospitalist group to say, hey, if you're taking a patient out of the hospital, that means I'm not seeing them. There is plenty to go around in healthcare here. And I think if we can all truly step back and say, how can we recreate the healthcare industry that we want to be a part of, that we want to receive our healthcare in, that we want to be spending our career in, and really be much more collaborative moving forward, that will benefit all of us and clearly benefit the patient. This has been fantastic, Christine. I, I really appreciate all that you're doing. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Um, Chris, thank you again for the opportunity to do this. I, you know, we we believe so strongly in this model of care. We believe that health equity has been talked a lot these last couple about these last couple of years, but there really hasn't been the focus and the dedication on how to make that happen. We would love to collaborate with people that are interested in moving the needle in this space and really being a part of the change that healthcare needs. Um, We've seen the impact on individual patients and their families and are so excited about the potential opportunity moving forward. So anyone that's interested, provider groups, physician groups, I think there's so much power in physicians that it's time for us to start driving some of these innovations. So we're, we're excited about what we're doing and would, of course, welcome any collaboration moving forward. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today, Christine. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to following you in Origin Healthcare as you continue to grow and We'll talk again soon. Great. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> you bet.